So I will speak about three or four of these nodes, these aspects, but my intention is, and my request to you is not to take notes for this. We'll do it more in a meditative inquiry. I'll put the, no the names up. It will all be recorded, and you can ask questions if you want something clarified for this morning period. Um, let's practice with the concepts, directly sensing the body. Maybe you can do that while you write, but I'm asking not to at this point. So, this clump of aspects are um, di very directly related to love. And um, what I'd like us to do to start with is to chant a little bit um, and remember into our love of the Brahma Viharas, our being loved in that way, with these boundless qualities of kindness, compassion, joy, equanimity, that no doubt all of you love. <laughs> Who doesn't love those? Um, and have practiced and have studied and have bathed in those waters conceptually with your energy body, with your heart as best you're able. Um, so let's start there. So taking your seat and imagine your whole body can be bathed in this way and offer in this way. And we'll chant, I'll invite us to chant one of the versions of Om Mani Padme Hong chant. Um, and this more emphasizes the tender aspect of compassion. There are many, many, many ways that love manifests, that compassion manifests. It's the tender aspect. And let be bathed in this sea of sound and intention and goodness any of your, den den any dents in your energy body that you've, noticed in the last couple of days, any collapsings, any hardenings, any places in the heart that haven't yet been able to soften and melt in the name of trying to do energy body practice or trying to keep up or whatever, any pressure in the heart, in the mind, in the body and soul. Let's meet in this universal, benevolent, Where we all are siblings in birth, aging, sickness and death. Three lines, some of you know it. And the last one ends slightly unusually for some people, so you can watch my hands as I conduct it as you get back. So bring what wants to be brought in of yourself, of each other, of this world. See who wants to come. Om Mani Padme Oh, 
plump out just a little bit more. Healing our perceptions of meaninglessness. Being ignited. Taking our place. Our tendency to oppress inner or outer. To overlook and not be able to resonate with. Energy body plump out and jingle with the sound. An instrument. Deep into the earth, into her darkness. Oh. 
as I offer some reflections on three more notes, maybe four. Um, see if you can listen with your body, with as much of you is available at the moment as possible. So in the practice today, don't forget or abandon what you already know about practice. In the name of trying to go deeper, further, wider. When your heart is hurting or cramped, your energy body is dented or hard, wisdom knows what's needed right now, what's called upon right now. Coming to our practice at times of the Brahma Viharas very directly. They're always here. They're a kind of basis in our imaginal practice. We don't leave them aside. They're fundamental, universal, Blessing, always. If at times you are drying up in the name of trying to stretch out your energy body and it's become mechanical, oh, here we go again, stretch it out. Maybe what we need to do is acknowledge our need our need to rest, to surrender, to be loved and to love. And in acknowledging that need, just surrendering, bowing, reducing, softening the effort, bathing ourselves back in the benevolence that we will have touched each of us in our practice. Knowing when it's the time to back off, knowing when it's the time to push, Knowing when it's the time, I think there's something in one of the lists of the fives or the sixes, knowing the time to exert, knowing the time to rest the mind, knowing the time to inquire, knowing the time to not inquire. So always that modulation of wisdom here. Taking care as we do this beautiful practice of stretching back from the collapse of the energy body to not yank ourselves. The attunement and the sensitivity tunes to soul speed, our soul speed in that moment, which might be fast, but it may not be the speed that our mind would like things to happen. So no yanking. There's no joy in yanking things around. There's no beauty, there's no divinity. We're pushing ourselves around. So, node number three, two, three. Loving and being loved. But just let yourself tune into this. The different levels of it that we know and that we can move into. This is, a ma- this is a matter, I would say, anyone for whom this isn't an interest in their life, loving and being loved. Um, <laughs> I was going to say go home. <laughs> <laughs> like, who doesn't, who doesn't care about this, loving and being loved? It's, a, I think, a universal interest to us humans, and maybe more than just us humans. 
when I let myself love, and sometimes I think we want to be loved so that I'm free to love. It can be like that sometimes. But when I'm free to love, when I'm able to love, it's many things, isn't it? But one of the things that it is, as well as healing and expanding and beautiful in and of itself, it's generative. When my body, heart, soul is able to love, more starts to come into the field, more things are available, you know, when we're cramped in love. The world shrinks, doesn't it? We start to only notice that thing that's irritating me or Something so critical about this. It's, it can be generative of more perception, more possibility, more types of love. It's generative for soul and for making soul. It's generative. It's, it's fecundity in love. I'm going to outline a couple of ways we may know this or not know this. There's the perfunctory level um, Maybe, maybe perfunctory is the wrong word, but where I might say about my friend, I love her, she loves me. And it's not that it's surface or that it's not genuine, but I'm kind of referring to a swathe of time. But that's generally the tenor of the relationship um, over, over kind of horizontal time. Of course, it's many, many things in that. It's a sort of more a statement about the relationship rather than in the moment. It's not necessarily drawing in that node of timelessness. It's not necessarily drawing in the node of humility or, or the other. It can be. That relationship can become imaginal, <coughs> can light up the lattice, but not necessarily. There's loving and being loved that we may know have had that benefit from in our life. Whether we've recognized it or not, we will probably, if we're healthy enough to be in this room, have benefited from this. Um, where another loves us and we love them and it's healing for us. Whether that's a person or not a person and an inner figure or an outer figure. Where my wounds are allowed to come into the space, my unfinishedness, my... Um, my thirst is quenched in that love. My tender, shy places might be seen in that love. It's kind of my my soul is given room and space for healing, for plumping back out, feeling more of itself coming home. And this is beautiful and necessary and praise be for this the gift that we all give we can give to each other and imaginal figures can offer to us also oh, sorry imagine figures of the imagination can offer to us this may or may not be imaginal but if we ask in any one moment that it's happening is this useful beneficial is it wholesome and does it lead onward often There's a loving and being loved in a less personal way. And again, I'm painting them as very gross strokes. They don't all exist in discrete categories absolutely like this. But who here has had the experience of bringing our self into a field of the Brahma Viharas, let's say? Or sometimes some really beautiful 
teachers I've had really are transmitting the Brahma Viharas. And so I would come into a room, let's say, or it may be um, that I'm bathing within my own sphere, that the Brahma Viharas are available and I'm being loved. But they're not particularly loving me for who I am. They're loving me because I'm another one, just like you. And it's beautiful and and makes my heart quake in the humility of that. It's not lesser or more than what we're pointing to here. But maybe you know that, that being loved universally for being another one of God's creatures, for being another one of the Earth's magnificent pots, for being one who is worthy of love as a sibling in birth, aging, sickness, and death. And I bow to that, loving and being loved. And there's a loving and being loved on an imaginal um, sphere where these nodes of this lattice are lit up that we began to speak about last night. Where that divinity of the Brahma Viharas, let's say I could look at it this way, or could look at it lots of ways, has become more personalized. That my love for the otherness, whether it's human, imaginal figure, something around me in this world that has become infused with imaginal depth and perception. I love them and they love me. They love me for me, for my particular my particularities, the way that I have been shaped and molded and the way I impact their soul. For all the particularities, not because they necessarily favor me or shrink them. Oh, it's you. I'm really into you. No. That love will be seen, that you, that me, will be seen as having so much dimensionality and depth that that way we show up in that is a jewel to those eyes. Even the bits that we think are still not jewel-like. So there is that universal basis, but there's more than that. There's the particularity. I love you, and you love me. And it could be that working with an image doesn't appear that way, but staying, lingering, finding out what ways of looking, what happens. If I love, let's say, somebody um, was working with an image of a standing stone. Let's say, really loving, really, really loving that standing stone. And in our mind, very often, normally, conceptually, we may not attribute character or personhood to such a being. We might think it's just one way. I love you. But the best I can hope for is, you know, you might steady my mind or you might... No, stay. What happens as I stay with that lovingness and open to that possibility of that dimensionality, of more dimensionality, there's more here than I can get my mind around. I'm not going to reduce you to a single meaning, just as in any good love relationship. 
when Eros is allowed to be there, we do not reduce the other to saying, I know you already. They remain a mystery. There's more depth there, more for me to move into. And the Eros can ignite. And what may have appeared initially as something that was not personal or characterful, we start to get the sense uncanny, perhaps to our modern mind sometimes, but that we are being loved. It may not have the features of a human face, or it may. But something comes to us in that opening to our love and our eros for the, be the beyonds. We can get that sense and let ourselves be loved in that way and let that impact us. Remembering our participation with our perception is key. Not yanking ourselves around. Could I just see this in another way? Yes, but with my body, with this sensitive flame, with my desire to know love and to be loved in all that's possible while I'm here on earth and maybe after, but who knows? May there be that capacity for belovedness. And within that, of course, my wounds may be there and might dense and all of that. They may come up, but it may not be the agenda, the primary thing on the agenda, but they may be, or will be, very likely included in that credible dimensionality of being loved and loving. <coughs> Just breathing, sensing where you are, I'd like to say a little bit about Eros. Um, we devoted the whole last retreat to, <clears throat> to this theme in many ways, so I suspect and hope you listened. But just to say, um, Eros is a kind of love that is infused with desire the kind of desire that is infused with love. So it's not just, not or not only, or cannot be limited to a understanding of the Brahma Viharas as we've learned them generally. It is not the same as craving. But very often when that ignition, when we really love the particularity of something that's beyond us, without practice, without energy body, without sensitivity and attunement, it can easily become craving. We want to go towards, we want to possess, have, you know how that goes. Or in the face of our desire, we feel unworthy or collapse or put it away because it might be embarrassing but tending the holy fire means tending this holiness of this eros, where we really love with a desire. Tending it means 
handling the flame. At times sheltering it, at times allowing it to flare, at times modulating it. Knowing where we work, where is the place for you to work as you let your whole soul be infused with that kind of loving desire. It's, it can be hot. Spiritual traditions, some, many, don't have necessarily the best track record. In handling this, sometimes it's just put off of the map because of its heat and its generativeness. And that generativeness could be of Papancha, of course, but the generativeness with the other nodes is a generativeness of soul. It can make soul, not just our soul, the soul of the world, the soul of each other. Tending this holy fire of Eros, daring if we're on the side of not quite letting ourselves dare to love what we love when it has that Eros has arrows in the kind of Greek and Roman image. They're pointing. It's very particular. More can be drawn into that Eros, of course. It's not that it's only ever that and that we shrink around that, not at all. But, you know, Eros knows what they like. There's liking, there's delight, there's and we handle that, we work with that. So it's a kind of love that's not just heartful, not only boundless. The kind of love that is soulful, that has particularity. I think maybe I'll just do one more now. I'm just laughing at myself because it feels because it's so generative. I end up saying way more than I <laughs> could have done. Just a little bit about beauty. Beauty. We need our heart to come out of its um, veils, come its shyness, its the way that some of us have been anaesthetized, probably culturally a lot. Anesthetized to the impact of appearance, of beauty, of manifestation, internally, externally. So these Brahma Viharas, this loving and being loved, the healing, all part of the ground of being able to be struck by beauty. Being struck by beauty is vulnerable making. We have to kind of receptive poise to let something strike you, that we would gasp at the mystery of that which is impacting me. So you can practice with that today, internally, externally. Can't necessarily just decide, okay, now it's going to be a beautiful moment. <laughs> Maybe you can, you know, when there's enough malleability and the nodes are lit up. But we can incline, we can be open to, to being struck, to letting ourselves be struck by that so much. 
So that poise of receptivity. When we're struck by beauty, and I'm struck by beauty, sometimes I just want to stop. And that that has gasped. I want to take that in, not take it in to make it merge with me, because then the eros goes. Then the tunus collapses. Then there may be oneness, and that might be have its own beauty, but that's still different, a lot different. But can I stand in my own singleness, my complete singleness, and let the otherness of the apple, the orange, the flower, the person, the inner figure, strike me? That I'm humble enough to be struck. That I want to behold what is beloved to me. That word that you get in kind of old-fashioned text, the behold. Behold. Often when an angel comes on the scene, or behold. In my heritage, when Mary has a visitation from the angel, behold. Imaginal perception strikes us, can I let it affect me, may I be struck, let's sit for a few minutes together. 